When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right. Welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. The podcast so tough it once made Suge Knight cry and so smooth it could make a Wolverine purr. I am Jared Stormer of mazeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate. Andy, you ground game enthusiast and connoisseur of its overall integrity. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, sir. I don't feel like I was run over at a concert this weekend. Um everything's kind of picking up and working on new pickup lines for women. I was so optimistic after the Penn state game and you know, I can't complain. That a boy, that a way to really let all aspects of your life flourish at once. I mean, not that I've ever doubted you to be a man that takes advantage. I've stopped like leading with, Hey, do you want to get pregnant and co-parent a kid together and just gone more into uh, what do you do for work? <laughs> so I actually <laughs> support, I actually support that move. I think that's a, a trending in the right direction. Um, so this is out of the blue. We realized uh, pregame, we haven't introduced ourselves on this pod in like five years. So I, we thought maybe it'd be a good time to do that here in, uh, you know, week 10. Uh, I am Jared Stormer of, uh, Mazenbrew.com. Been on Out of the Blue since five years. Michigan fan since 1997. Come from Ohio and uh, basically just a fan. Uh, not in any way an analyst. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so the takes are uh, that of mostly a drunken imbecile in the corner of the bar. Yeah, but they're at least, but they're at least mild and somewhat they're constructed mild. with thought. Correct. Yes, indeed. So you have that. Now, I'm Andrew Bailey, also of Maze and Brew. I write frequently for the website. I post about five times a week, maybe sometimes seven. Uh, from West Virginia, lifelong fan. And yeah, man, I'm just here to 
let it fly and talk my stuff. So here for a good time, not a long time. That's what I'm screaming, brother. Uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll next week. We've got a we've got a special podcast next week, so we'll really get into some of the uh, the minutia of your Michigan fanhood. But for this week, that'll have to do. Uh, good week, good week of Michigan sports, despite the loss in basketball to Seton Hall last night. That's not enough to get me down after the Penn State win. But let's start with basketball here. Michigan now 2-1 and one after the Seton Hall loss, but started off with a really good win against Buffalo, a tournament team, I would think. Yep. I think Buffalo is probably going to win the MAC. Uh, a win against uh, Prairie View A&M and then the loss to Seton Hall, uh, which was unfortunate last night, and but a lot to be cleaned up. Um, uh, kind of unfortunate we couldn't get the win after Jawan Howard signs the extension. But let's talk basketball for a minute. What did you see in those three games? Um, we can start with the positives in those two wins if you want, or we can go however you want to do it. Now, the positives are really Eli Brooks, uh, Hunter Dickinson, and the playmaking of Devontae Jones. There's a lot to like from these three things so far. Um, Dickinson has been as advertised in the post, flashing a little bit more of that jumper. Eli Brooks is the only reliable knockdown three-point shooter on this team. That stroke is pure. And Devontae Jones has like a diet, super light Jason Kidd kind of game to him, where he's like really havocky on the defensive end, active hands, good at playmaking, setting people up, pulled, I believe, 11 or 12 boards last night. So he's got that, but yeah, that's what I've taken away as the positive so far. Yeah, um, some other positives. I like your Devontae Jones point. That's like a smart basketball fan's take because you really got to watch the games to see yeah. what Devontae Jones is doing. He's not necessarily a stat stuffer, uh, despite the rebounds for a 6'2 guy. That is pretty impressive. Um, but he is a really good floor general defensively. I like the way he gets into passing lanes. We've got a lot of guys that can really get into the passing lanes. Um, in the first two games, I liked what I saw out of Caleb Houston and Musa Diabate. This is a pro Musa Diabate podcast here. Um, defensively, that dude is going to be a problem. Um, I like the big lineups. Um, I yep. like what we're able to run out. Even against Seton Hall last night when they went big, we're able to counter that. Um, Terry Two Sticks, as you dubbed him, which is a tremendous nickname. Thank you, sir. Uh, Terrence Williams is really outplaying Brandon Johns early on. His uh, three-point shot is better than I thought. Um, now, as a team, they've got a bit of a ways to go. I think Caleb Houston will end up being fine in that department. Love the sound of a cracking beer on a podcast. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think Caleb Houston will be fine in that part department. But yeah, as of right now, it looks like Eli Brooks is our best three-point shooter. So there's a lot to like. Um, and as you said, Hunter Dickinson, as advertised, I mean, that dude is one of the best players in the country. And he has a couple moves in the post that are nigh unstoppable. Yeah, and, and even further, a couple more. Uh, Kobe Bufkin last night was outstanding in limited minutes. Got some really good minutes. Got some extended run. The spacing to open up the second half was beautiful because it looked like in like NBA concepts. They kept running double picks and screens to get Hunter Dickinson one on one on the block. Went away from that late in the game, which we'll get to. But I loved that. And man, I can't say enough about Devontae Jones's game. Like, there's negatives to it, but there's so much upside there that I like. He just has to understand this level a little bit more some of the defensive plays um timely decisions situational basketball but man i really love his game he's very crafty i really enjoy his game too i've really like i said terry two sticks has been a ton of fun to watch um caleb houston has a very very pure jumper in the sense that like his feet are pointed at the basket his release point is high it's quick um, all those things translate. I expect him, his shooting numbers to improve, especially he was getting good looks in that game last night against Seton Hall. 
They just weren't dropping. We were three for 15 from three-point range. That is not going to hold up. We'll be better than that. Um, how good we'll be, I don't know. Um, you know. The best and most successful Michigan basketball teams recently have been able to shoot the three ball at a pretty high clip. That is a big part of what they wanted to do. And even before Howard with Beeline, that was a big part of the team. So uh, that'll be something to watch moving forward. Free throw shooting can improve. You know, chance for Terry two sticks to tie it last night. Wasn't able to sink those two um, free throws there. But um, sounds like neither of us are too panicked about no. the one loss to Seton Hall. It's November 17th. Like, this, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, isn't, this isn't football where one loss torpedoes your season either. No, this is silly to just, you know, overreact to. Michigan's biggest issue this year is they're not able to put the foot on the throat. Like, Buffalo was able to come back and make it close. Last night again, Seton Hall was able to come back and win the game. And um, got to get Hunter Dickinson more touches down the stretch. Like, I did not like the last two drawn-up plays. He didn't get the ball because on the one before it, he picked up the loose ball and got fouled, knocked down both free throws, and we we're in business. So he's yeah. got to get some more touches, got to get some more shooters. Maybe Zeb Jackson uh, overcoming the illness he's battling right now can help solve some of those problems. But, no, this team is going to be fine. It's a lot of self-inflicted a lot of self-inflicted errors like – backcourt violations, shot clock violations, silly fouls by Devontae Jones late in the game, all very correctable. And Seton Hall is a good team. Like this isn't like, this isn't a bad loss by any means. And Michigan did not play well, some questionable officiating, and they were still within a missed free throw of tying this thing up. Yeah. Seton Hall moving into the rankings this week after that win, uh, they will also be a tournament team. And that's the kind of game you want to be playing early in the season because you're, you're going to learn a lot about your team in that. And you're going to see, like, it reminded me of the UCLA game in the tournament last year where it was like, man, we're playing this really tight game against this team. It feels like we should be way up, but our shots just aren't dropping. So it, it felt a lot like the UCLA game to me in that, that that game was in hand and very winnable up until the very end. And the shots just didn't drop. And I think those are shots that will drop later on. And you're totally right. Hunter Dickinson, 8 for 11 in this game. Um, you should be shooting more. And uh, towards the end of the game, you should have the ball in your hands to make you know the final outcome. Yeah. Um, you know, to have a say in the final outcome, excuse me. Yeah, and on the defensive end of the court, like Caleb Houston and Musa Diabate and these young players are going to get better at defensive rotations. Like last night, frequently getting caught out of position, rotating over, two guys going to the same man, leaving an open shooter. All of that's going to get corrected with experience. Like these are great problems to have at game three, but if they persist at game 23, then yeah, I'm going to have some real issues. Panic meter, 1.5 out of 10. 1.5 out of 10. I do think Terry Two Sticks is going to start taking minutes from Brandon Johns here, though. I think so. Johns looked really rough last night. And also, there's something about Terry just rocking the long sleeve at all times in games. Just kind of respect it. I, I absolutely respect it. Yeah, Houston and Diabate. Neither one looks like an 18-year-old freshman either, especially Diabate, who looks like he should be playing tight end for the Wolverines. <laughs> it's insane how good he is. His first touch, I believe, he dribbled inside and had like three different post moves off the pivot foot. And I was like, oh, oh, we're doing that now. We're doing, bro, we're doing pivots. Okay. Bro, he's got a little bit of take you off the dribble in him, which we're probably going to see more as this season expands. Like, his game is super intriguing, and I think he's going to end up being a first-round draft pick just based on what little I've seen of him already. This team could have three, probably has guaranteed two first-round draft picks on it, potentially three. Yeah, uh, Dickinson, we'll see. I haven't seen him even really attempt much from uh, outside of the paint, but if he can show that he's got a three-point shot and the defense comes along a little bit, I could see it. Probably more of a second-rounder for Dickinson. 
Um, T- Terry Tuesdicks could play himself into it. I mean, the NBA likes guys like that, long, that can defend and shoot the three. So if his three ball keeps progressing, I could see him getting taken as well. Yeah, he brings an energy to the game like he did last season. And to start the second half of this one is what makes me really optimistic about the team because they came out just up three after that after the break and put it on them really quick on both ends of the court. So if like if they can just if that's the peak and they can reach that, then they can compete with any team in the country. Uh, last point, I think uh, Eli Brooks is the best point guard on this team as far as getting other guys a shot. Though, what do you think? Or getting his own shot and getting other guys a shot. Getting like, his own shot, initiator. Yes. Yeah, I I like I still like Devonte Jones's passing. He had one off a euro step to Hunter Dickinson <clears throat> that was just as we like to say, erotic. Devontae Jones also <laughs> just low-key thick and uses that body so well inside the paint like Kyle Lowry. Yeah, yeah, I knew you were going to go with the Lowry comparison there. It makes sense. I, I like it. I see what you see there. Uh, all right, time to move to football. But before we do, take a moment here to talk about home field apparel. Our sponsors are People out of Indianapolis, Indiana. Incredibly comfortable, affordable sportswear brand with the best, most comprehensive selection of college apparel that's out there right now. Uh, I'm not just speaking it, I'm wearing it. I need it in the winter months once the uh, the bustling of the leaves comes in. Got to stay warm with my Home Field Apparel hoodie. And you can get 20% off your first purchase with MNB at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. All right, my friend, we've been waiting to talk about this one. 21-7 win over Penn State last week. 17. Win in November at Happy Valley. Uh, initially we were underdogs in this one. The line did end up shifting to favor Michigan. I got in as a pick and they made me so much money. God bless this Michigan team. <laughs> and, uh, I think of your article that came out, uh, things we learned and what we were texting during the game. The number one takeaway from this is the narrative was being re was being written there in that fourth quarter. And it was the same narrative. It was the same story that we've heard a million times over and over until it wasn't. So uh, let's get going on this, man. Let's talk about this victory. You can start wherever you want. This game was like filing off a serial number on a gun that was just pointed at all the heads of the program. Everyone's like, we're going to take him down. It's like, no, you're not. We are taking this one back. Finally, this God, this felt so good, man. We were talking about it. So many Michigan games have felt like this over the years where it's a back-and-forth affair. Michigan feels like they should win the game. They blow it somehow in the fourth quarter in a new and more increasingly painful fashion. But not today, Satan. We came back. Eric All, 47-yard tutty, first of his career. Defense has a four and out with Mike McDonald dialing up in all 11 blitz. I'm ranting here. I'm so happy about this and what it means for the program. And we've been clamoring for it, man. This season feels different, and Saturday proved it. Had we not have won that, I mean, it would have been so easy to be be like exactly where it's purgatory. You know, we're grim. in no, yeah, it's grim. We're in the same place we've been every other year. If we lose that, this podcast this week sucks. Um, I'm predicting Ohio State to run us out of the building, yep. you know, in a couple weeks here. But it doesn't go that way. So uh, let's 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 start this thing out. First quarter was abysmal. There's six no plays. Getting, six plays we were able to run to their what twenty three. It was the largest thirty three largest differential in college football this season. That's not how you want to start a, a football game. I actually uh, was so hungover that I slept in and started in the second quarter. But as soon as I tuned in, things really started to improve. And uh, best drive of the season, that first drive. I mean, obviously not the most important one. That would come later in this game. (laughs) 
but the best drive of the season, perhaps, is that seven and a half minute drive for our first score, um, capped off with the Roman Wilson touchdown on an absolute laser from Cade Mack. I, I think so, given the circumstance where you had two three and outs, both set back by false start penalties, and then you're going against this elite defense on the road. So I'm with you. I think this is that best drive. And, man, just the precision of it, Haskins getting the ball, Gaddis dialing up nice passes by Cade, getting in rhythm, converting third downs, and then just the dart, the frozen rope to Roman Wilson, who's playing with the GD cast on his left arm, <laughs> like catches the ball just in stride for a beautiful touchdown, man. It was an awesome, awesome series. It was one of the best. I tweeted after that. I was like, I think maybe best drive of the season. There were some really good ones against Wisconsin, some very timely ones. Um, there was those ones against Washington where you ran the ball like 11 times or whatever it was. Yep. Didn't even bother to pass. Those were impressive. Um, but against this Penn State defense, to answer like that, I thought that was super impressive. Um, Roman Wilson, two touchdowns on the day. Um, we'll get to the other one here in a second. But on that one, yeah, with the cast on, fumbled it a little bit, able to recover it, and it was the hardest thrown ball I've seen Cade McNamara throw all gas. season. Yeah, there was gas on that one. That was more of like a McCarthy throw. Um, so, yeah, and then, uh, you know, Penn State fought back, which we said they would. You know, we, we were really close um, how we called this game in our pod last week in our predictions on this one. The only thing we didn't get right was the final score and Sean Clifford finished the game. Um, <laughs> but in that first half after the Roman Wilson score, it's about the pass rushers. Ojabo and Hutchinson absolutely eat in that first half. Two sacks apiece in the first half. You just monsters all game. Hutch finishes with three. I believe they had like Five tackles for loss combined as well. I think they had seven sacks, so there should be at least seven. Well, they oh, had combined, five. Combined, those two, yeah. yeah, those two had five, gotcha. seven altogether, and yeah, yeah. just an unreal day from the defense. Man, doing this to a very competent offense in their house, and it was just Ojabo and Hutch were just bullying people left and right. Hutch fighting through holds as he has all season. Ojabo put moves for the most part. This game was pretty well officiated. Like you're, they're they're going to miss some things here and there, which is expected, but nothing really ticky tacky or determining the game, which I appreciated. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I wasn't screaming about the officiating. Obviously, the Michigan State game, you know, leaves a bit of a bad taste in our mouth, but you know, it helps. You know, when you get a game like this, that's mostly clean. I'm sure James Franklin would probably disagree. That dude looked salty on the sidelines. But uh, yeah, yeah, back to the defense. They were incredible in this one. Mike McDonald um, and Gaddis, like really got to give a lot of love to the coaches in this one. Whereas there's been some wins like Nebraska where it felt like stars stepped up. Um, and they did in this game as well. But the coaches in this one, particularly McDonald and Gaddis, were excellent. Well, McDonald, the way he mixed up coverages, the way they neutralized Dotson and held him to his second lowest receiving yard total of the season and lowest for when Clifford plays the entire game because the other one was Iowa and they had their backup quarterback who's just cheeks. So this was fantastic. The schematic the schematic design, putting Vincent Gray on him, put him uh, Tur DJ Turner on him. Rod Moore was outstanding stepping up. The way they mixed up blitzes, the way they responded at the end of the game I touched on it, the all 11 men across the uh, across the line of scrimmage press blitz on fourth down, just like against Nebraska. Like, we're coming, we're manned up, beat us. Is yeah. just all-time energy and, yeah, aw awesome game from the coordinators. Yes, most definitely. All right, let's talk about this fourth quarter. They come back in the fourth quarter, are able to tie it up 14-14. 
the sky is falling at that point. Yeah. It feels like everything that we've seen in the Jim Harbaugh era. Um, I mean, you you listed off the games, so we can kind of talk about them. Obviously, sixteen Ohio State, um, eighteen Notre Dame, right? Six, uh, six, uh, sixteen Iowa, fifteen Michigan State, uh, almost even fifteen Utah. If you want to go way back, so yeah, a plethora of games with with fourth quarter opportunities to win the game that we blew. That we blew, and it felt like every single one of them, again, 21 Michigan State, you know, recently, where, you know, it felt like a game that was in hand that we could win, and, I mean, we were outplaying both teams in both of those games, and in a lot of those games that you just mentioned, we were the better team that day, and it just felt like the same thing was going to happen again. We let them drive down, get a two-point conversion, um, multiple fourth down conversions on that, which has been a problem stopping, like getting off the field on these fourth downs and on these two-point conversions. They tie it up with 14. We need to respond, and there's a strip sack fumble. Ryan Hayes gets crushed on that play, and McNamara takes the hit, fumbles it. And if you logged on to Twitter at that exact moment, it was the sky is falling, fire Jim Harbaugh, same old, same old, until it wasn't. Exactly. I stay off of imaginary places during football games. <laughs> Smart. So I, I avoided all of that. I just let you give it to me secondhand that we, we discuss it together. But yeah, the sky is falling at this point. It's the same thing. We're already thinking about, all right, we're going to lose here, lose to Ohio State. It's another one. You and I are going to have to come on here and like begrudgingly defend Harbaugh for what he has done still because it is impressive. But no, everything changes after that. The defense rises up on three straight plays, forces them to kick the field goal. We couldn't stop. Which is huge. Yeah, huge. We, we couldn't stop a nosebleed on the previous possession. They had three fourth down conversions, a touchdown, a two-point conversion. 50 seconds of gameplay have passed, and they're back on the field, and they find a way to make the stop. Yes, um, should not be overlooked because you allow a touchdown there. We're in overtime and who knows where that thing goes. So holding them there and like you said, just to be right back on the field and to get yourself up and motivated to make that stop and give your offense a chance. That's start. That is the start of the narrative shift that we saw in this fourth quarter. We get the ball back. Start running it with Haskins there a little bit. I I think you had the play cadence there. It was like run, 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 run. This is then five pass. straight runs and then a pass. And then a pass to Eric All on kind of this like mesh crossing route thing where it's almost like a pick play. Yep. Um, but those the the, uh, the corners got tangled up. I think it was Sainer still crossing the other direction, and you're able to get it to Eric All. And yeah, I, I think like I said, a pick play, and Eric All is able to take that down the sideline on the bum ankle. Yeah, that was um, that was incredible, man. Like it's something you almost like dream about in a movie, the guy with the high ankle sprain who left Michigan state early comes back here and your first career touchdown, your first career touchdowns, a game winner to change the narrative for the hardball era. I was screaming. I couldn't believe it was actually happening that we can have nice things like this moment. And man, it was, it was a surreal feeling. I can only imagine how the players and especially Eric all felt. I mean, had he have gotten stopped on say the five yard line, do we score there? You know, yeah. Give Hassan Hassan Haskins averaged six year, almost six yards a carry the yeah. last two possessions. He's not so, being denied. Yeah, you're you're probably right. We probably would have found a way, but uh, avoiding the red zone in this twice with the Roman Wilson pat and then the the Eric All touchdown. You know, that's a nice way to get touchdowns in the red zone over field goals is just avoid it outright. So that was absolutely huge. But then they have time left still 
and we have to get another stop, and then we have to salt away the game. So all these things that we normally cannot do, and we're able to get them all. We're able to get off the field again. Great fourth down call um, there by uh, by Mike McDonald to get off the field, and then you salt it away with Haskins. It was then man that fourth down call just I don't, passed lotion. That was a great call. I loved it, and then. It's just Hassan Haskins repeatedly. Like you know what's coming, and you still can't stop it. Two first downs. We get in the red zone for only the second time of the day, where we're one for one, and we finish one for two with the only acceptable scenario, and that's victory formation, baby. Oh, to end with a victory formation was absolutely lovely. Uh, James Franklin. Now, I mean, he's he's in a little bit of trouble going from a guy that maybe USC might want to now people at Penn State are kind of like. They don't really care if he happens to, to jump ship at this point. Uh, wanted to talk, though, about our predictions for this game because we did really, really well on this one. You had it at 21-13, final score 21-17. I had it, at, I think, like 31-24 or something mm-hmm. like that. I had it a little bit more high scoring. I had players of the game, Hassan Haskins and the combination of David Ojabo and Aiden Hutchinson. That is exactly right. You had it as Haskins and uh, DJ Turner, which uh, – not yeah. far off. <laughs> not bad. <laughs> not bad. Not bad. We said the key to the game was literally stop Jahan Dotson and have a balanced attack on offense. Three touchdowns passing for Cade McNamara. Career high in rushing and rushing attempts for Hassan Haskins. Very balanced there. And then, yeah, we said that they were going to hurt Clifford in this game. And while he stayed in the game, that is like a kudos to his toughness because he was definitely hurting by the end of this. Dude, shouts to Sean Clifford, man. I can't believe he survived this beating and kept throwing the ball. And Turner, on their last third down attempt, when uh, Dotson was hurt on the play from the hit by Rod Moore, broke up that slant route so beautifully. It's like the technique was so refined. He knew what was coming and played the ball perfectly on that third and two, man. It was – Turner is just one of the most unwelcome – I mean – not unwelcome, unpredictable surprises we had this season. He was – he's just been incredible becoming quarterback number one. He, he is cornerback number one right now, and that's uh, no knock against Vincent Gray, who played really well in this game as well and has had a sneaky good season. Yep. You know, like I don't even think he has any interceptions, but he doesn't get targeted a lot. He's had a really quietly good season, not in like explosive playmaker type of guy like a Dax Hill or anything. Uh, you mentioned Rod Moore, who had an incredible game, and he's now getting snaps over Makari Page, which I didn't see coming. Uh, but they must really like him and his intelligence. Uh, much better broadcast this time. And Orlovsky pointed out that Rod Moore actually was the guy that uh, pointed out a mistake in the coverage and called timeout, which is pretty heady play for a true freshman. God, the ABC broadcast was so much better than Fox. Like our boy Clad is just having like his 2020 Michigan season as a broadcaster. It's just been terrible. It's but a rough one. Orlovsky was just throwing gas. Like even with Penn State, like he's just pointing out like schematics and how they're getting open and why they're having success. Like, oh, thank you. I'm learning something. It's not just grit and the mud and the troops. So it's so much better that it's actually like analytics and insight into the game. And Rod Moorman, outstanding, a true freshman, just playing out of his mind right now. Very, very cerebral player. Yes, most definitely. Um, all right, any final thoughts on this Penn State win that we haven't talked about? I'm never going to stop talking about the Eric Wall touchdown for as long as I live, and I might hang the team picture above my bed whenever I get married. Oh, that team picture at the end was absolutely fantastic. You got JJ just pointing at Hassan Haskins. Um, yeah, the Eric All man, first career touchdown, the most important touchdown of the season up to this point. And some people were saying like a season-defining touchdown. If you go on to beat Ohio State and go to the Big Ten Championship, yeah, you're going to go back and look at that touchdown as maybe the biggest of the year. 
just oh my god I, I i can't think that far ahead it makes me too excited and we gotta right. save that podcast for next week but yeah man it does so much it it felt like you just cleansed the palate of so many bad losses in history it's like okay like felt like a turner a corner turning victory for the program for harbaugh for everybody you're absolutely right man and enjoy these ones when you get them because we are now at 10 wins with all of our goals still in front of us here nine, in nine november wins. Or excuse me, but it's about yeah. to be ten wins. Once we get to, <laughs> yeah, it's ten wins, but <laughs> but yeah, we 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 still got to go play the game, and we're going to cover that when we get back from this break. Right after this, this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist, and if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Out of the Blue, second half of this podcast. We got Maryland to preview, but uh, should be pushovers. So I had a couple other things I wanted to throw your way. Uh, looking around the Big Ten, looking around the college football landscape in general, um, the college football rankings came out keeping uh, serve as for last week with Michigan ahead of Michigan State and everybody else up at the top remains. Uh, Cincinnati getting a, a chance here with the Oklahoma loss. What are your thoughts about the college football rankings and them putting um, Ohio State ahead of Oregon and then, or excuse me, Oregon ahead of Ohio State, but yet putting Michigan ahead of Michigan State with the head-to-heads? I mean, obviously you're a Michigan fan and you're going to be a little biased here, but uh, what did you think of the college football rankings? I have complete objectivity when it comes to this subject yeah, matter, sure. as you know. <laughs> no, I, I don't really don't mind it because if you watch the games, Oregon was clearly the better team. It was in it was in Columbus. They held a two touchdown lead at times and and really dominated the game. Ohio State made a late push, but it was Oregon's game to lose without two of their best players, including Kayvon Thibodeau. And then if you watch Michigan, Michigan State. And your conference offers an apology for a touchdown and momentum swinging play on the road. You know, there's just there's factors there to weigh. And I like that the committee's doing it. And even if a Michigan State fan's upset with it, which I could understand because I would be pissed if I were them, probably it's all going to get worked out these next two weeks. So it really doesn't. Matter. Your last point is your best point. Like we're all going to figure this out. And if Michigan State wins out, they will go ahead of Michigan. I can assure you like yeah. the head to head will end up mattering. But as it stands right now, yes, you're absolutely right. I mean, 
if you watched the Michigan Michigan State game, it kind of felt more like a coin flip than the Michigan State to Purdue loss did, you know. And then yep. you mentioned the Ohio State Oregon game as well. Uh, Cincinnati, as I mentioned, is kind of the big winner there with Oklahoma losing. Uh, very much in play now, especially uh, with Georgia Alabama left to play. Ohio State Michigan State and Ohio State Michigan. That'll get itself worked out. So. Yeah, I think that as of right now, you can't worry too much about that. But yeah, I get that Michigan State fans maybe have a reason to be somewhat upset. Dream scenario for all Michigan fans is Michigan wins out, gets the two seed, and Cincinnati's the three seed. Oh, 100%. I would, of all the teams <laughs> up there, yeah, I would much rather see Cincinnati. It's like you, you place like Oregon loses the Utah, gets upset in the Pac 12 championship. And yeah, you get Oregon canceling itself out with Utah knocking them off. Maybe Notre Dame's knocking on the door for the four seed at that point, which if you look at the rankings now, it could add up. Maybe Oklahoma State gets in. But Michigan, Cincinnati, 2-3, it's it's not out of the question. <laughs> this pleases this me. Greatly pleases me. Um, in the Big Ten, uh, we all know the score here. I mean, it's all going to settle itself out here in the last couple of weeks. I don't know who's going to win the Big Ten West. doesn't seem like anyone wants to. I wouldn't want to play Wisconsin again at this point because, A, it's hard to beat a team twice in the same year, and Wisconsin's playing much better here in the second half of the season. They are, but again, it's the Big Ten West, and I trust what this team can do. And Michigan's gotten a lot better even since that point. But it could be Minnesota. It still could be Iowa. I would love to see Minnesota, frankly. Like, if, if we're picking one team to play in the Big Ten Championship, get, give me the Gophers. Just let's run back last year's game. Yeah, I would definitely say Minnesota, then Iowa, because Iowa's quarterback does not frighten me in the slightest. I think that we would absolutely Correct. ruin that dude's afternoon. But yeah, uh, long way to go there yet. Just something to keep an eye on here in these final couple weeks. It's uh, de facto playoffs, really, in the Big Ten East here in the, in the last couple weeks. So uh, every game is going to matter. Michigan State, Ohio State this weekend is a huge one. Like That is one where maybe Michigan fans are pulling for Ohio State for one, one week a year at least. Well, I have a better way to phrase that. We're not rooting for Ohio State to win. We're rooting for Michigan State to Much lose. Much better. I can sleep at night with that. Exactly. You don't have to like, like get all the, yeah, there's a lot going on. Somebody asked me if I wanted to go to game day in Columbus because I lived near there. And I was like, just, I can't go that far. That's a, that's a little too now, much. What colors do you wear? You just wear Michigan colors at that point. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, naturally, yeah, naturally. I'm not wearing anything else in that. I dated a girl that worked at Ohio state for a while and wore blue and maize every time I was up there. What are, you, what are we doing what are we here? Doing Come on here. Yeah. Here. <laughs> uh, absolutely, man. Um, all right. Uh, one last thing before we get into the Maryland preview. A couple more college football um, positions, coaching jobs have opened up now with Washington uh, firing Jimmy Lake. Apparently we broke the program. And then uh, Virginia <laughs> Tech firing Justin Fuente. So there's going to be a lot of movement, actually. There's quite a few open college football jobs and a lot of more are going to open up as people move. And both Mel Tucker and James Franklin are candidates now. So um, the Washington job or the uh, Virginia Tech job, could you see either of those being appealing for any of the other Big Ten coaches? That's a good question. I saw a rumor today about Gaddis in Virginia Tech, which is kind of – No. It, it, it would be a good move for him possibly. They would like, like that. That's, yeah, he doesn't have the resume yet. No, so it's, 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 and we're going to speak that into existence anyway, even if he gets the resume. He does not have the resume. He is staying yeah, here staying. just, you know – Enjoy your defensive coordinator, whoever else you want to, you know, reincarnate the ghost of Frank Beamer. But uh, I don't think any other Big Ten coaches besides those two move. I couldn't really 
I don't think Shiano's leaving Rutgers anytime soon. Pat Fitzgerald's never leaving Northwestern. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe a name to watch out though is PJ Fleck. Like I don't think he's locked into Minnesota. Uh, he did just sign an extension, I think, last year. Maybe so. He he is making yeah, more money. Buy him out. Yeah, they could buy him out. Somebody like LSU could definitely afford that. USC could definitely afford that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one rumor I am hearing though is that should Michigan State or Penn State open up, Matt Campbell would be interested in either one. You could also see a Luke Fickle interested in potentially Penn State too. So, I mean, just something to watch. Like two coaches that could – you're not they're not going to get a scrub coach. Matt Campbell, who came out today and talked about their goal – he didn't have the goal of winning the Big 12 this year. You bring that LDE to East Lansing. Please yeah. bring it and put it right there because I was going to pummel this guy. I can't believe – I feel so foolish because I wanted – we clamored for him last year so many times at the end of the year because everything was wearing down on us. Matt Campbell, he's the guy. No, he's not. Yeah. Like – if Harbaugh came out and said that's not our goal to win the Big Ten, I would be irate. I would scream. I would tattoo it on my body that I hate him. Like, I would go bananas. So, yeah, go ahead. Put that LDE over there, whatever you want yeah, to do. Yeah, we've got to take the L's, you know, because we give ourselves the W's when we take them. we got to take an L on both of us wanting Matt Campbell after last year. We were upset. God. It was two wins in a really garbage, truncated season. Um, but yeah, now we're going to eat that crow publicly. I am doing that right now because there just aren't that many coaches out there that can get you to 10 wins. I know it's nine. It's going to be 10 at least. That's, that is now the basement here. And Hmm. look what's happening at Texas. Look what's happening at Florida. Look what's happening at Florida state at Miami, all these uh, USC at Nebraska, all these other perennial programs that expect to be competing for championships year in and year out. And they're in the mud. And here we are again in November with a chance to win a conference championship. I mean, Jim Harbaugh, the the record in November, we all know it. But there's just not that many coaches out there that can do this. So when you clamor for Jim Harbaugh after nine wins, just look around the country and know it could be worse. Fifth time under Jim Harbaugh, even if they lose to Maryland, they won't knock on wood, that Michigan's going to enter the last game of the season with two or fewer losses. The fifth time, like... You cannot take this for granted. Like, just it cannot always be perfect. Last year, you're right. We have to eat a lot of crow for that. I was seeing a therapist once a week. 2020 was awful. It was a terrible year. And they got my therapist got tired of hearing me talking about Matt Campbell. It's like, why are you obsessed with this man? I'm like, I'm sad. Okay. I want better things. But things work themselves out. Time heals all wounds. We progress. And if you understand, like, it's not always greener on the other side. We tried this when we ran Lloyd Carr out and brought in Rich Rod. I don't want to go through another 10 years of looking for the guy. We have the guy. I'm I'm with you, man. I just don't want to go back to that sort of – you can't build a culture when you're swapping guys in and out every single year like that. So there's just not many guys out there like Jim Harbaugh. And I just – yeah, just wanted to make that point that we were wrong and Jim Harbaugh was right and Ward Manuel was right. Um, bringing in Matt Campbell was not the move. I mean, they're now – they're bowl eligible, but they were supposed to win the Big 12 this year. Um, yeah, and have like a first round quarterback and first round running back. Neither one looks like it's going to happen. And instead, Michigan's going to put two pass rushers in the first round. And it's just, yeah, I mean, the, the, a lot can change between the offseason and then when you actually roll the balls out there. I'm going to put two pass rushers in the top 10. <laughs> it's, top 10. it's doable. I love the stat that we have two pass rushers that could break the single season sack record. We have two of them. If they each get, and keep- it's ridiculous. And keep in mind, Hutch only needs one and a half to break the household record of his father. It has 11. Let's go. 
I'm here. I'm here for it. Uh, that's a great transition. Let's talk about this Maryland game, man. Uh, should be pushovers. Maryland sitting at five and five. Chance to get the bowl eligibility. They're going to give us their best shot. And a little bit too good of a team for how we're talking about it, just chalking it up. I think that's more our confidence in this Michigan team than it is saying that Maryland is a total dog crap team. They're not a rat team. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not a great team either. They're missing some guys, their top receiving threats. So that pass rushing combination, or excuse me, the passing combination of Turtle and Dante Demas is not a thing. So they don't really have too much that scares me. But uh, what are your thoughts on this Maryland team? You know, they're not like the wild, wild west of Will Smith movies, but they're kind of like the Ollie of Will Smith movies. It has all this potential, but it's just so middling. And it's like you're kind of vanilla when you break it down they can't run the ball if you pressure turtle he's still going to sling the pill in the triple coverage and the Iowa game was kind of the start of the floodgates of the resistance against them so I think the key again will start up front as it does with all Michigan games is putting pressure on turtle and their receivers aren't as dynamic as Penn State's especially Jahan Dotson so I think you'll see a little a few more blitz packages here four five guys maybe coming in more consistently maybe even the sixth Watch out for the Dax Hill on the outside because they're going to force Turtle to throw the ball into all kinds of coverages and looks, even if he doesn't see it. You made a great point before we started spinning tonight about um, McDonald being able to adjust. Now we've seen every type of offense that we're going to see this season. Maryland, once again, is a great warm-up for Ohio State and what they want to do. They just don't have the, the horses to run out there like Ohio State does. But Mike McDonald, I mean, that has got to be a tough defense to scheme against now. Because you've seen everything. You like you said, you've seen yep. multiple coverages. You've seen them do the the press man blitz. Everyone's coming. You've seen them drop into zone. You've seen them use Michael Barrett in zone coverage in the last couple of weeks to great effect. So this is going to be a hard team for them to scheme against. They're going to want to run the football, as you said, but they've struggled to do that, especially in the last couple of weeks against good teams. Uh, just last week, I mean, Michigan State was able to double up Maryland and they were able to run the ball effectively. And I think you're going to see a lot of that in this game. Michigan on offense is obviously going to ride what's gotten them here. Expect another big Haskins game. Hopefully not as big. I don't know that I want to give him 31 carries in this no. game. Um, so no. if you can sprinkle in Donovan Edwards and Tavi Dunlap, that'd be lovely. Um, but yeah, once again, I expect a balanced attack. But also expect to see Michigan maybe pass it around a little bit in this one to keep those running backs fresh. This will be a very, very, very vanilla Michigan game on offense. They're not going to show anything. No. It's going to be Hassan Haskins. He'll break 1,000 yards in this game. He only needs 15 to do it for the season. And I expect Michigan to get ahead and then play reserves and play conservative. But I am with you. You want to keep you want to keep the rhythm going, though. You want to keep uh, receivers involved. You want to keep Cade McNamara and in his groove that he's in right now. But you can play McCarthy in the second half, fourth quarter of this type type of game. But you can't just sleepwalk through it. You got to get in there, establish dominance early, force them into bad throws because they're fighting for bowl eligibility. They need one of these last two games against Michigan or Rutgers, and there's nothing more than Mike Loxley would like to do than spoil his former colleague. Josh Gaddis's like magical season. Definitely. And I think that he'll have something for us. I think that they'll be able to score a little bit in this game, but ultimately they don't have enough on offense or defense to stop us. Michigan just can't get caught looking ahead in this one. I like what you said. I think this is going to be a vanilla game. This is probably going to remind you a lot of the Indiana game. Correct. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, where it's just like, okay, well, we got the win. We won by two touchdowns. Uh, don't really know what to take of that. But anyway, 10-1, let's go. 
Exactly. Like just, just win this game. I don't care if it's by one point or however many points it's about getting to Ohio state. Maybe this team comes out and they look awful this week. and They're looking ahead to Ohio state. I'm okay with that. As long as they win, I really, really doesn't matter to me. No, no. I mean, at this point, style points aren't going to do anything for us. Our goals can be achieved just by winning. We don't need style points. Cincinnati kind of does, you know, because a win against Tulsa in the last, in the waning minutes is not nearly as impressive as a win in happy Valley in the waning minutes. So for yep. them, I think it's a little bit more important for us. It exactly right. We just got to find a way to win this game. Um, and I like the point that I wanted to touch on that you mentioned earlier. No JJ McCarthy last week against Penn State. You might see him this week. Um, but yeah, when the chips are down, it's pretty clear now that they're riding with Cade Mack. Do not play JJ McCarthy against Ohio State. Like this no. is we're putting our best horses on the field, and we're going to go with them. Like. He's the future. We've already said this. We're big McCarthyism guy. He might be the future. Good God. Cade is just not letting go of this. No, I mean, that's going to be a battle next season. Like, that is not just give the ball to JJ because at this time kind of thing. No. Cade is a very balls-on-the-table leader type of guy. The way he talked about Vastardis after, afterwards in an unaired interview, just everything he's bringing to the table right now, the leadership, ball security, like, oh, man. You got to love him, what he brings to the game. Like, he got that strip sack, but that's not on him. I mean, Ryan Hayes got smoked. Oh, yeah. So, and he still wouldn't blame the offensive line for that. He took blame for that. And that's what you'd love to see from this program and where they're at. And Just, man, a, feel just good. a leader, man. You also uh, sent me a picture of the woman that Cade McNamara is dating. And I was like, oh, so he's the most confident person on the planet. Very confident. I mean, that's my that's quarterback. My quarterback. My, my quarterback <laughs> dates tens. That's all he does is date tens and throw three tutties in a game winner against that in happy. That's Valley. my quarterback, man. All right, man, let's get into it. Players of the game. And then uh, give me a score. As of right now, the spread sits at 14 and a half. Michigan covers players of the game. DJ Turner with two picks. I'm going, actually, I'm not going to off DJ Turner. I picked him last game. Vincent Gray, one. Love pick. it. I think there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of balls for these secondary, for the players in the secondary to pick off. And I think Vincent Gray's going to get his first of the season, been very locked down, excellent tackler, maybe the best tackling quarterback on the cornerback on this team. Offensively, it's so hard not to pick. I'm not going to pick us on Haskins. It's, it's, Unfair. Yeah, it is unfair. And I could see him maybe sitting out for a lot of this one because it's like, all right, the game's in hand. We don't need – you've already – he's going to go over 1,000 yards in like two carries. So I'm going with big Don Edwards, baby. I'm going with the backup as the player of the game there. I think he – if Michigan does what they're supposed to do, he could have a chance to see a lot of touches, possibly crest 75, 80 yards in this one, maybe a touchdown. So give me Donovan Edwards, Vincent Gray, Michigan rolls 42-14. I absolutely love it. You said a lot there. I'm with you on the secondary. I think this could be a big secondary game. I think there's going to be a pick in this one. Uh, how about RJ Moten with a pick in this one? He's gotten his hands in there. He's been pretty active. We got a pick, it, uh, we got a pick against Michigan State. Had a pick against Michigan State. Almost had a few more. So uh, I, I think maybe an R.J. Moten or a Dax Hill interception in this one that maybe snuffs out momentum and makes a big play. Obviously, Hutchins, Hutchinson and Ojabo are going to be the players of the game, but I did that last week. I'm not doing that every week. Um, so, yeah, yeah give, me, give me R.J. Moten in this one on defense. And then on offense, as you said, we're not going Hassan Haskins because that's just cheap. Um, against Ohio State, I might, I might go cheap and just pick the horses. Uh, we'll be about seven beers deep by the time we make predictions on next week's I'm pod. I'm already Spoiler. drinking for next week. 
<laughs> so yeah, it, it'll probably be like, we're going Haskins and Hutch, baby. Well, I, I will because that's that's yeah. what it's going to come down to. Um, but yeah, on offense, go ahead and give me. Roman Wilson had a big day. I could see like an Andrew Anthony, uh, another big game for him. But I'm going to go with my boy Eric All. Finally getting his touchdown in that one. I love Eric All. I am. He's the best yeah. tight end we've had since Jake Butt. Um, but full stop. He just is. I don't think he's dropped a pass this year. Should have been used more early on in the season in the red zone. But now they know what they've got. So give me a big Eric All game. Um, I like about where your score's at. I'm going to go with uh, 34 to 13. Okay. So I, I think it's going to be similar. I think we do cover. Um, I got in at 14 and a half. I'm betting the cover again this week. Michigan has been covering at an excellent spread. Um, so if you've been betting them this year, you're doing well. Um, I already cashed out after last week. So now I'm playing with house money after that one. Does Michigan State cover the spread? What's the spread against Ohio State? I haven't seen it today, but it opened at 19. Ooh, I would say yeah. I would say they covered that. I think they cover as well. I think they cover that. That's a big spread, and they played their better competition pretty close. Yeah, and Ohio State played before last week. They played Nebraska close, Penn State close, and I def- Michigan State's a better team than Nebraska. Yeah. So I think it's even though although it's in Columbus, it's going to be a close game because dude, Kenneth Walker is a star. Yeah, and they have trouble stopping the run. That is a surprising spread for me, to be honest. Yeah I, yeah, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm taking, I'm with you. I'm taking those points. I'm taking Penn, uh, Michigan State. In the yeah, points. I might have to throw a little something on that. That's a big spread, and I know Ohio State's been playing really well, but I mean, they just played Penn State, Nebraska, close, as you said. Like that wasn't that long ago. No, people forget though, because we're, I mean, granted, we're all fickle by nature, but brother, we are a week away from the most exciting podcast of the season. The podcast before the last podcast you're going to be in America for. Absolutely. I'll be recording uh, next week from Seattle. So, I mean, yeah, it's already, we're already getting there. The, uh, the adventures keep coming, my friend, and the biggest podcast of the season, one of the biggest podcasts we've ever done. Put it out there. The biggest, like we always say the biggest game of the Jim Harbaugh era, the biggest podcast of out of the blue going for two since 2017 happens next week. And it's the week of Thanksgiving, the night before Thanksgiving, it's also a holiday, so we need to plan around that. And then I'm hitting Ann Arbor on Friday, I'll be at the game on Saturday. I mean, it's going to be, I mean, this is monumentous. I mean, this is as big as it gets, my friend. And the third time we've had such a game with Jim Harbaugh, 16, 18, and now 21. Um, You know, they say third time's the charm. And here we go. Um, After this week, just handle business. Handle business against Maryland. Let's go. Run the ball down their throat. Let's get to next week. This is just about get through it. Let's just suck it up. Bite down your mouthpiece. Give the ball to Son Haskins 20 times. Let's go home. Fans of the ground game in all aspects of life, my friend. All right, that's going to do it for Out of the Blue this week. Make sure you're tuning in next week. That's going to be a good one. Uh, follow us on Twitter if you'd like, at Brew. You can get us wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Music. I am Jared, that is Andy, this is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.